lesson tonight from Jeremiah chapter 15. God's word is the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Jeremiah 15:1. The Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Wow. That is something we think of this. Moses and Samuel, we think of the intercession that Moses and Samuel did for the people. And we think of the conditions of God's people at those times. Moses up on the mount, and the people are worship built a golden calf, worshiping it. And Moses intercedes in their behalf. Then with Korah and Dathan and Abiram, the earth having to open up and swallow them up, and Moses interceding on behalf of the people. The people committing adultery with, with the Moabites. The plague goes through the land, and Moses has to intercede for the people, and each time God relents. And with Samuel, I mean, you could put David on there, you could put so many other names on there as well. But people who interceded in God's behalf, Abraham, and he mentioned Samuel as well, an intercessor between God and his people. God calls each one of us to be interceders. Blessed are the peacemakers. God calls us, God desires for us to go and pray. Well, he says, love my enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. He wants us to plead with him for their salvation. To stand in the gap. Because if we don't, who will? The Messiah is there. The Messiah is before the throne. The Messiah is interceding. But Satan goes around as an accuser presents their faults before the throne of God. And God is looking for two witnesses to stand before him and to intercede in their behalf. And he calls us, and so Moses, Samuel, two great examples of people who loved God so much that they loved his people. Even again as they did wickedly, even as we did wrong, and yet, it's so bad during Jeremiah's day, God says, even if Moses was here, Jeremiah, you're not good enough, but even if Moses was here, and even if Samuel was here, I still would not listen to them. I still wouldn't relent. I'd still cast them out of my sight. I think it's bad on this earth today. And it's going to get a whole lot worse. It's going to be a whole lot worse than it was in Jeremiah's day. Verse 2, and if they say, where should we go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as are for death to death, such as are for the sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as for the captivity to the captivity. That's some answer, huh? Jeremiah, where should we go? <laughs> You go to the sword, you go to the famine, you go to captivity, you go to death. In other words, he's saying, go to, well, get away from me. That's what he's saying. 
is not going to be good. I will appoint four forms of destruction, says the Lord. The sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds and the beasts to devour and destroy. None of those sound too good. Bad, bad situation. He's trying to tell them something. Yeah, to get their attention. Yeah, like knock it off. The people are sitting, and God's pronounced judgment upon them. I will hand them over to trouble to all the kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. The influence of one person. Here he gets the blame. But God pronounces the judgment because of Manasseh. Now, Manasseh has been dead at this time somewhere between 20, maybe, and 50 years. We don't know. That doesn't tell us when Jeremiah is saying this to the people, when God's telling them this. <clears throat> Jeremiah prophesied for a long time. But nonetheless, Manasseh is no longer around. And after Manasseh was, was a, I forget his name, but a, not a good king for a short time, and then Josiah, a good king for a long time. And Hezekiah, before Manasseh, a great king for a long time. And Manasseh repents and Manasseh comes to the Lord and Manasseh will be in heaven. But even though Manasseh repented, even though Manasseh had a good father and was a good, who was a good king for a long time and the people had it, who did mighty reforms in the land, and even though Josiah comes along and does mighty reforms and changes a lot of things and gets rid of a lot of the bad stuff, it still wasn't enough. The blame is still placed upon Manasseh. People are going to be handed over to sword and death and famine, destruction, dogs and birds and beasts, <coughs> and swords. What influences? What groundwork has been laid by us in our past that we need to repent of? And have the Messiah cleanse away and cleanse the influence of. And some things will be overturned, and some things the result of won't be able to be changed. And people long after us may suffer the consequences of what we have done. May we repent for our own records as Manasseh did. And may we repent so that God can do whatever he can do to change the evil results and seeds that were sown. And so that moving forward, our lives and our conscience will be clear and that we won't make the same mistakes again by God's grace. Sad story. Manasseh repents, gives his heart to the Lord, accepted by God, but still the record books years later lays the guilt of Israel. No doubt it'll be tough for Manasseh in that initially. When he sees how many aren't there because of his rebellion. But thankfully, when the new heavens and new earth are created, all things become new. And there'll be no more sorrow, no more sorrow, even for Manasseh.
Verse 5. Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask, how are you doing? You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You've gone backward. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you to destroy you. I am weary of relenting. God has been relenting for a long time. He's been merciful. He sent Jeremiah and other messages and warnings and, and good kings and attempt after attempt to draw him to himself. He's been resisted. He's been resisted. So he asks, who's going to be there for you? Who's going to ask, how are you doing? Who's going to check up on you? Who's going to see how you're doing? Who's going to turn aside and care for you? Who's going to mourn for you? Who's going to be touched with your feelings, if not me? You rejected me? Who's going to be there for you? And really, it's the same today. If we reject God, it's the loneliest place to be. So only God can comfort us the way that he does. Human companionship is nice and helpful. I'll say, how are you doing? I'll check in on us. not like God. Verse 7, I will destroy my people since they do not return from their ways. Their widows will be more than the sand of the sea. I will bring plunder at noonday. I will cause anguish and terror to fall on them suddenly. God said, I'll be judgment, judgment, judgment. these people. And thank God won't judge this generation. We're living in a fantasy world. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The sacrifice were available then. God's intercession was available then. Payment of the Messiah from the foundation of the world was available then. If God brought judgment then, he will bring judgment today as well. Jeremiah cries out, Woe is me, my mother, that you have borne me, a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. Jeremiah had a hard job bringing God's message to these very people. And God says Moses couldn't stand with them. Samuel wouldn't be able to stand with them. And Jeremiah is left with him. And here he's bemoaning his birth. His job is so difficult. Elijah felt like he stood alone. God said there's 7,000 who haven't bent the knee to Baal. Jeremiah feels similar. All alone, standing for God. And I believe the situation was worse, worse in Jeremiah's day than it was in Elijah's. I have neither lent for interest nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. So he's not able to do any commerce. He can't lend any money, and no one will lend him anything, even with interest. He's not able to buy or sell, in a sense. People are just avoiding him and re restricting his ability to do what he would like to do. To live a normal life. 
Jeremiah had it rough. God also told him in the next chapter, chapter 16, you're not going to marry. You're not going to have children. So he didn't have a helpmate, he didn't have a companion to help him through this, merciful to whatever woman would marry Jeremiah, have a husband go through what he went through. Jeremiah foreshadows God's people in the last days. Who will intercede for the wickedness going on and who will warn the world before its final destruction. During a time where they've turned their backs on God and yet professing to be following God. We'll see when we get to the sections in Jeremiah where where there are many false prophets prophesying in the name of the Lord. In direct contrast to the messages God was giving to Jeremiah. So the people were believing in God, as well as their idols and their false worship. They were really just following the dictates of their own heart. Jeremiah had to stand up and say, no, they were wrong. Those prophecies aren't from God. Listen to me. Why should they listen to him over the others? He's standing alone and they've got a large group. God's going to call us. Even now, he's calling us to stand for the right. To give a straight message. To give a true message. To give a consistent message. And not only a message, but to live it. Live it in our lives. God's presence in us. We have God's spirit in us. And the only way we'll be able to stand, the only way we'll be able to stand for the truth while everyone else is going in a different direction is by choosing God in the little things and choosing God in the daily things and surrendering and accepting the Messiah and accepting his forgiveness and accepting his redemption and allowing him to take out of us our carnal nature Allowing him to take out of us every desire, every earthly desire. Jeremiah didn't want to be hated. Jeremiah didn't want to be cursed. Jeremiah no doubt wanted a family. But he resisted self. He chose God. And that only comes with a transformation from God. That only comes by a miracle of God. Self is on the throne all the time. Once we surrender it to God, allow God to take self out and allow him to put his spirit in. That's what Jeremiah did. The Lord said, surely it will be well with your remnant. I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity and affliction. And we'll see when we get into the stories that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon very good to Jeremiah. Lord, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your enduring patience, don't take me away. For your sake, I have suffered rebuke. So even as God tries to comfort Jeremiah, Jeremiah is still pleading licking his wounds from the suffering that he has gone through and continues to go through. And even asked for God to take vengeance. 
on those that are hurting him and persecuting him, cursing him, not trading with him and not lending to him. Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah, surrounded by darkness, surrounded by sadness, surrounded by despair, surrounded with hatred, evil surmisings against him, being cursed, persecuted, rejected, his loneliness, he found his comfort in God's word. And not just comfort, but joy and rejoicing. No matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it is, no matter what feelings you're experiencing, no matter what rejection you've gone through, no matter what you've suffered for the sake of the Lord, we can find joy and rejoicing in God's Word. God's Word is an amazing book. Like no other book. It is absolutely amazing. The power is in this one book. Can't be reasoned, can't be figured out, can't be scientifically explained. But through what Jeremiah was going through, he found joy and rejoicing in God's word. And those same promises are there for us as well. That same comfort is there for us as well. That same encouragement, that same power, the very power that spoke the word, world into existence by God's word is in his written word. And that same power will speak into us life and hope and courage and strength, and power and victory to continue on. Regardless of the circumstances around them. And that is what will give us the power to endure to the end. Trusting His Word. And there may come a time where we don't have the written Word available to handy to us. We may be in prison, we may be in hiding, we may be in the woods, we may be in the wilderness, we may be persecuted and hunted like Elijah. Or like Joseph, or like we'll see Jeremiah thrown into a pit, into a prison. Now is the time to be filling our minds and our hearts with God's word. One of God's promises is that He'll bring to remembrance His word, but He can only bring to remembrance what has been put in there to begin with. On a daily basis, we should be soaking up God's word. Start every day with joy and rejoicing. Start every day breakfast with God's word. Eat from his word. Every day. And end the day with God's word. Start the day on a positive focus from God's word. And then allow God's word to cleanse and reboot us. After we've been beaten all day long. And Satan's temptations discouragements of this world, the filth and the dirt all around us. Eat and be filled in God's word.
during the day as well. Bible's on CD and the Bible's on MP3. Listen to it as you drive along. You jog as you exercise God's word. Power in God's word. Joy and rejoicing found in the, in the midst of the worst problems. This is like Paul in prison, beaten, falsely accused, falsely arrested, and yet singing. From a dungeon writing to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. How can a person under those conditions do such a thing? Only because they ate God's word. They found God's word and put it inside themselves. Oh, we can know the stories. Oh, we can memorize the verses. But it's different than eating it and taking it inside and letting it become part of us. We do that by leaning on the promises. We do that by believing the promises. We do that by testing the promises. We do that by, by God's grace walking in his word and obeying his word. Again, by his power, his strength, his spirit. Living it. Living it out. There's joy and rejoicing. Let me just read the parts of the judgments that he just pronounced that we read in these other verses or other places. They're, oh boy, that joy doesn't necessarily come without suffering. God's word brings conviction to our hearts. And then guilt rises up. You might say, well, God's word, that rejoicing doesn't come with some conviction and some guilt. It's a pain. God's word asks us to step out in faith and to do things, forgive those who hurt us, to love one another and to love our enemies. God's word, the joy and rejoicing, doesn't necessarily come without sacrifice. But it's through all those things. Surrendering all of those things. Selfish heart carnal nature that resists wanting to sacrifice, resists wanting to obey, resists wanting to love and forgive. And surrendering that resistance to God and accepting the Messiah that he releases it from us. And he takes that guilt away. He releases the burden off our backs and sets us free. And that is what causes and brings about the joy and the rejoicing. Joy and rejoicing doesn't just come from a promise of heaven. The joy and rejoicing doesn't just come because God says, I will comfort you and I will keep my eyes on you and I love you with an everlasting love. Those are nice things. But we can't receive that unless we've gone through the repentance, the cleansing, the washing. Then true joy comes. did not sit in the assembly of mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you filled me with indignation. Instead of partaking with the others, and partying with the others, and reveling with the others, 
Jeremiah was felt filled with indignation against the sins of the land. And at times he had to sit alone. And we know, again, we'll get to the part in Jeremiah where the stories come. And he's obviously in contact with lots of people as he had to present God's word. But many times he had to sit alone. And at times he was with people. It wasn't necessarily a pleasant experience for him. Lonely. We find joy and rejoicing in God's word. And yet even as he remembers that, your word brought joy and rejoicing, he's also still struggling here with the loneliness and the despair and the pain. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail? And you can relate to Jeremiah. Maybe you've gone through some suffering for God's sake, for God's word. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've been misunderstood. Maybe people haven't dealt with you kindly. Maybe a job. You lost a job over it. Maybe a friend. Maybe family members. And the pain and sorrow that comes with doing God's business is not. This is here, in this country, where the majority of people profess to believe in God and profess to be believers in God. Where there's a natural bent because of our foundation and constitution, a natural bent towards God. How about in some countries, in some places in the world today, Very easily can get beheaded and killed for owning a Bible, let alone teaching it. The pain and suffering that's going on in this world today, and which will encompass the entire earth. If we are right with God, and if we are doing His bidding, we also will go through a time of trouble. And the time of trouble will not be so much the beatings or the harassment and the physical, but it will be the despair at Jeremiah experience. And through all of this, Jeremiah does not relent. He does not cave in. He holds back. And God will hold us back. So he starts with making that decision now. And that prayer now. While we are in time of peace, and while we have much ease, God give me the strength to make it through that time. That's why it's called patient endurance on the part of the saints. It takes endurance, patient endurance. To be seen through. God will comfort your pain, whatever you're going through, and any hurt you've experienced, any rejection you've experienced. God promises us 
will give us much more in this earth and in the world to come. Thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back, and you shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. How doesn't the old poor Jeremiah He doesn't placate him. He doesn't pamper him. The Jeremiah, you found joy in rejoicing with you. Stop looking at your pain. Pity party has been going on long enough. Return to me. I'll bring you back. Stand before me. You don't sit with the vile. Keep precious. Keep untainted from the world as you mingle with the world and warn the world and speak my words. Let the people come to you and let them share with them. But don't go and partake in their sins. I will make you a fortified bronze wall to this people. And they will fight against you. God tells Jeremiah this in another place. I read this once or twice before. Make you a fortified bronze wall to this people. They'll fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked. And I will redeem you from the grip of the terror. It's a wonderful promise. Again, as Jeremiah says, suffering, perpetual pain, sorrow, I'm sitting alone. They're cursing me. They won't sell to me. They won't lend to me. I said, stand up. Stand before me. I'll make you a bronze wall. enter into a pity party with Jeremiah. He doesn't allow him to continue it on. It's enough crying. Stand up. Be my mouth. Get to work. I will fight against. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail. Be strong in the Lord. Stand courageous. I will put my words in your mouth. Move forward. The armor of God. Though they resist you, you will stand strong. A mighty fortified wall. Made of metal, made of bronze. I will deliver you from their hand. And I will redeem you. We'll see. We'll get into the stories. This is exactly what God does for Jeremiah. Jeremiah makes his commitment. Stays strong in the Lord. Doesn't turn back. Sets his eyes on the goal and marches forward. Through a hard, hard, hard time. 
God delivers him, and God redeems him in an amazing and miraculous way. Jeremiah is a living testimony for us in these last days. An example for us of a life lived out that warns his generation and stands tall through the suffering, through the trials, through the persecution. God is looking for such a people who are willing to stand we're willing to warn the world in a loving way, in a godly way, in a consistent way, with mercy and hope, with truth and warning of judgment to come as well. That's looking for a people who will not be bought, not be sold, not yield, not compromise, not waver. <laughs> Consistently, like a needle on a compass, always towards the north. No matter how you flick it around and turn it around and throw it up in the air, kick it, the needle will point in the same direction. I'm looking for consistent people who will not eat. Not worried about people's faces, not worried about people's, what they say, not worried about what they post about you. Facebook or whoever cares where will live a consistent, godly life. Not looking for trouble. They're not staying away from the vileness and corruption of this world. Living among the world untainted, undefiled. Not proud. Meek and humble before the Lord and man. Dependent upon God. Trusting in Him. And surrendering all for His cause. Whether that means not having a spouse, not having children, whether that means not being able to go and buy freely with everyone and anyone and lend and be lent to, whether that means being rejected and shunned, whether that means being alone, whether that means standing against the whole world, whatever it takes to live for God by His grace. That's the type of people God's looking for today. Because that's the type of people we're willing to be. So we pray, let us ask God to live in us. He did it through Jeremiah. Did it through Moses, did it through Samuel, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha. And he's wanting to do it again today. As we pray, let us ask God to comfort us and meet our needs, strengthen us. If you're going through perpetual pain right now, you've been rejected, going through some struggle, some heartache. Relate to what Jeremiah is going through and find comfort in God's word. If you haven't found the joy and rejoicing that's in God's word, I encourage you ask God to give you a consistent life of reading his word. 
eating, partaking. The miracle of God. Ask God when you pray. Just say, I'm going to start reading God's word. Ask God to put you on a deep reading of his word. And eating of his word. Experiencing his word. And if you want to make a commitment and ask God to give you the power to stand through these last days and to be God's shining light. To be God's witness, to be God's star, to be God's Esther, to be God's Jeremiah. And when we pray, as we pray in a moment, it's got to do that in your mind. Any of those areas that apply to you or something else that maybe God's been speaking to you from this word, or that he's been speaking to you in your own time, but some answer it to prayer. God empower you. Fill you with his joy and his rejoicing. His strength, His redemption, and His salvation. And if there's any sin in our life, any area that is against God's word, anything on our record that will be held against us in the judgment, and we pray, surrender that to the Lord, ask for His forgiveness, and accept His cleansing. Accept his power to live in his mind. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, thank you that you have not left this world without a witness. Thank you, even through the darkest time, you sent Jeremiah and others to warn, to share your truth, to tell others about you. Thank you as we enter into these last days. You will have a witness on this earth. You will have a company of people who will stand for the right without guile in their mouth. Pure virgins, in a sense, before you. Who've removed the precious from the vile. Who haven't been corrupted by this world. Lord, may we be that people. Cleanse us from sin through the power of the Messiah. Wash us and redeem us. Live inside us. Make us fortified walls against the corruption of this world. Put your words in our mouths and use us to speak forth your truth. Live in our hearts, filling us with joy and rejoicing to move forward and to walk forward in your word by your grace, and may your word be lived out in us. And may we have your joy regardless of the circumstances and situations around us. Redeem us, save us, and use us in reaching others for your kingdom. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.